You know, I just believe the Lord led this word in my heart last week. And the title of it is, This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. You know, if we, if we look across the world today, you will see and you will hear that there are conflicts, conflicts and wars and battles happening right now, right, right at this very minute, right from one side of the globe to the other, battles are being fought daily. We have this ongoing battle happening in the Ukraine with Russia and the Ukraine happening right at this very moment. There are battles being fought, wars being fought in the Sudan, in Yemen, in Libya, in Afghanistan, in Syria. There's battles being fought in Iraq. There's battles being fought in Mexico with the drug cartels that are, that are in Mexico. There's confrontation with the U.S. and Iran. There's conflict in India with Pakistan. There's conflict with North Korea and the U.S. And friends, I'm going to tell you one to watch. And this one could be devastating. Could be devastating and have a major impact on this whole world. It'll make Russia and the Ukraine look like a bond fight. And I don't say that disrespectfully to the people of of the Ukraine or Russia, to those families that have lost loved ones. I don't say that disrespectfully to them. But if this one kicks off, then friends, I believe it could lead to World War III. And it's between China and Taiwan. I'm telling you, you watch that one. You watch it. China in Taiwan. Which will then draw America in. And then we'll see the big dogs really fighting. You watch it. Battles militarily. Battles physically. And battles politically. Being fought right now. Right all across our world now. We're seeing it played out on our TV screens every day, are we not? I mean, if you've got any discernment whatsoever, and you're watching and looking... And I do, I do, I watch and I look at these things and watch what's happening across the world. You'll see it being played out on our TV screens every day. But then you've got the spiritual battles. Battles that are being fought in the heavenlies. I believe there's battles being fought right now in the heavenlies. For the people of God and for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, Friends, I'm sure that you will agree with me this morning. There's a battle going on for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ today and for the hearts and minds of God's people. And you know, this battle has been going on for many, many, thousands of years. Thousands of years. It's been going on since Satan was cast out of heaven. And he started to wage war with the believers. But you know, this morning, if I may, I want to look at, at one man, one nation, and see how they fought their battle. This is how I fight my battles. Turn with me to Second Chronicles 20. We're not going to read this right at this time, but... I'm going to give you a bit of background to this story. Second Chronicles 20. Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat becomes king of Judah after the death of his father, King Asa. Good King Asa. And in Second Chronicles 17 verse 3 it says, 
that the Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he walked in the ways of his father David and sought not unto Balaam, but sought to the Lord God of his father and walked in his commandments and not after the doings of Israel. Therefore the Lord established the kingdom in his hand and all Judah brought to Jehoshaphat presents and he had riches and honor in abundance. And it says that his heart was lifted up his heart was lifted up in the ways of the Lord. You know, friends, here was a man, a man whose heart was fully given over under the Lord. His character was excellent. He was desirous to please God in all things, in all things. He was obedient to God's word. And his heart, it says, was lifted up in the ways of God. Not in a prideful sense, not in a haughty sense, but his heart was lifted up to God. And you know, that just means he began setting an example of faithfulness to Yahweh or to God. He walked in the ways of the Lord with great pleasure and cheerfulness. He was filled with much zeal and with much courage. He was an ardent follower of God. An ardent follower of God. And it's not, that's not what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11 and 1. Be ye followers of me, even as I am also of Jesus Christ. And oh friends, if only there were more, more men like Jehoshaphat. Men who follow hard after God. Then I believe this world will be turned upside down for Christ. Men and women who follow hard after God. But Jehoshaphat was a lover of God. And he taught his people to love God. And he taught them out of the word of God. Second Chronicles 17 verses 9 and 10 says, And they taught in Judah and had the book of the law of the Lord with them and went throughout all the cities of Judah and taught the people. And the fear of the Lord fell upon all the kingdoms of the lands that were round about Judah, so that they made no war against Jehoshaphat. They made no war against Jehoshaphat. He was a man of God. He was a man who feared God. The unsaved saw this, and they said, I'm not going near him. I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to make war with him. I'm not going to do battle with him. This man, Jehoshaphat, was a man of God. He was a man who feared God, and he taught his people to fear God. He was a man of integrity. And how we need men of integrity today. He was a man of principle. He was a man of honor. He was a man with a missionary's heart. For it says in Second Chronicles 17 that he sent out his officers, the priests and the Levites to instruct, to instruct the people in the laws of God. And, and you know, he also went out into the towns and villages around him and he taught the people out of the word of God. And because of this man's love for God and his fear of God and his love for God's word, revival, revival swept across that nation. And for years, and for years, his land was at peace. That's what the Bible says. Second Chronicles, his year, for years, his land was at peace. But if we turn to our reading, chapter 20, things begin to change. Things begin to change. We're going to start at verse 1 through to 4, and then we're going to go to 14 right through to 30. 2 Chronicles 20, verse 1. It came to pass after this also that the children of Moab and the children of Ammon, and with them other besides the Ammonites, came against Jehoshaphat to battle. Then there came some that told Jehoshaphat, saying, There cometh a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea on this side Syria. And behold, they be in Hazan Tamar, which is in Gedi. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord, even out of all the cities of Judah. They came to seek the Lord. And we'll turn on the, the verse 14. 
Then upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jehiel, the son of Mataniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph, came the Spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation. And he said, Hearken ye all Judah and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, and thy king Jehoshaphat. Thus saith the Lord unto you, Be not afraid nor, nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours but God's. Tomorrow go ye down against them. Behold, they come up by the cliff of Ziz, and ye shall find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. Ye shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves, stand ye still, and see the salvation of the Lord with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. And Jehoshaphat bowed his, face, his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord, worshipping the Lord. And the Levites of the children of the Kohathites and of the children of the Korhites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with a loud voice on high. And they rose up early in the morning and went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as I went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, so shall ye be established. Believe his prophets, so shall ye prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord, and that should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army, and to say, Praise the Lord! Praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. And when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Sur, which were come against Judah, and they were smitten. For the children of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Sur, utterly to slay and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Sur, everyone helped to destroy another. And when Judah came toward the watchtower in the wilderness, they looked unto the multitude, and behold, they were dead bodies, fallen to the earth, and none escaped. And when Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away the spoil of them, they found among them in abundance both riches with the dead bodies and precious jewels, which they stripped off for themselves more than they could carry away. And they were three days, three days in gathering of the spoil. It was so much. And on the fourth day they assembled themselves in the valley of Barak, Baraka. And that just means the valley of blessing. The valley of blessing. For God blessed them in the valley of Baraka, the valley of blessing. For there they blessed the Lord. Therefore the name of the place was called the valley of Baraka unto this day. Then they returned every man of Judah and Jerusalem and Jehoshaphat in the forefront of them to go again to Jerusalem with joy. For the Lord had made them to rejoice over their enemies. And they came to Jerusalem with psalteries and harps and trumpets unto the house of the Lord. And the fear of God was in all the countries of those countries, of all those kingdoms of those countries when they had heard that the Lord fought against the enemies of Israel. So the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet, for his God gave him rest round about. You know, we left Jehoshaphat in the foregoing chapters, and he had established the land. There was peace. There was security. The land was flowing with abundance. The people were happy with all the reforms. They were in revival. Friends, they were in revival. God had been given his rightful place and the people were in prosperity. It couldn't get any better. It couldn't get any better. But then in verse 2 of chapter 20, and friends, there's always a but, isn't there? Isn't there always a but? But it says in verse 2 of chapter 20, there there came, came some that told Jehoshaphat, saying, there cometh a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea on this side Syria, and behold, they be in Hazon Tamar, which is in Gedi. And the start of verse 3 says this, And Jehoshaphat feared. And Jehoshaphat feared. Brothers and sisters, how many times in our walk with God have we experienced that? And Jehoshaphat feared. 
You're in a time of joy. You're in a time of hope. You're in a time of revival within yourself. Your faith is strong in God. Your walk with God is close. You're walking on the mountaintop with him. And then, bang, all hell breaks loose. All hell breaks loose. That phone call comes. That knock on the door comes. That letter comes. That messenger of Satan comes. And fear, fear grips your heart. Have you been there before? I have. I'm sure we all have at one time or another. And if you haven't, friend, you will be there sometime. I don't mean to put a dampener on things with you, but you will be there sometime. You're paralyzed with fear, just like Jehoshaphat. He was faced with one of the greatest crises of his life. He was in what looked like an impossible situation, maybe a two or three hundred thousand strong army heading straight towards him and his nation, heading straight towards him and his people to destroy him and his people. What does he do? What does he do? Well, friends, it says he set himself. He set himself to seek the Lord and he proclaimed a fast at all Judah. And Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. Even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Jehoshaphat met a seemingly impossible circumstance in an exemplary manner. He began to seek the Lord through prayer and fasting. He never mentioned first about mustering his forces together and planning with his generals how he may tactically set the battle in array. No, friends, his first and foremost priority was to seek God. It was to seek God. Matthew Henry says this, Those that would seek the Lord so as to find him and to find favor with him must set themselves must set themselves to seek him, must do it with fixedness of thought, with sincerity of intention, and with the utmost vigor and resolution to continue seeking him. To continue seeking him. Friends, can I tell you this morning, the answer to a lot of our problems and difficulties can only be found on our knees. It can only be found on our knees. You know, I saw a poster outside of a church. It might have been Ballygown, actually, the other day. And it said, when you're tired of standing, try kneeling. When you're tired of standing, then try kneeling. Try kneeling. Brothers and sisters, how many times have we left God out? How many times have we left God out when problems come into our lives? We'll run everywhere. We'll try everything. We'll speak to everybody to try and get the, and get the things sorted out. We'll get ourselves into such a frenzy that our blood pressure goes through the roof and our anxiety and stress levels, well, they just go off the Richter scale. Am I not speaking truth this morning? When all the time God is just waiting patiently for you and for I, for us to just to get on our knees, and to bring every burden and every cur to him. First Peter 5 and 7 says this, casting all your cur upon him for what? For he cares for you. Do you get it? He cares for you. It's when we bring God into our situations, friends, then the darkness lifts and the light begins to shine. Friends, he is our burden bearer. You know, years ago, and Patsy will remember us, and Brian and Isabel and Patricia and a few others. But years ago, we used to sing a wee chorus, and it went like this. Leave it there. Leave it there. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. If you trust and never doubt, God will surely bring you out. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. Simple words, isn't it? Simple words. But what depth. What meaning there is to them? Some of us, unfortunately, when we come to God in prayer and we pour out our burdens and our problems before him, and then when we get up to leave, you know what we do? We pick them back up again 
All right, Lord, I'm away. And we carry them back again. We take them onto ourselves again. Friends, he is our burden bearer. He is our burden bearer. He wants to carry them for us. Jehoshaphat knew that to be true. That's why his first thought was to set, was to get on his knees and to seek the face of God. And friends, surely, surely that should be our first thought. When the problems and trials of life come in, we get on our knees to seek God. It says in verse 4, And Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. Even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. The nation of Judah came as one people. One people to seek the Lord God. Every man, every woman, every boy, every girl, even their very little ones, they came to seek the Lord. The cry went up from the man of God and the nation set themselves. That's what the word of God says. The nation set themselves to seek God. Psalm 50 and 15 says, God says, and call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. Psalm 60, 10 and 12 says, Wilt not thou, O God, which hadst cast us off, and thou, O God, which didst not go out with our armies, give us help from trouble, for vain is the help of man, for through God we shall, we shall do valiantly, for he it is, it's him, for he it is that shall tread down our enemies. And Psalm 34 and 6 says, one of my favorite verses of scripture, this poor man cried and the Lord heard him. The Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. A cry went up to God from a nation that was in distress and trouble. Facing the biggest battle of their lives, a cry goes up to God. Oh God, help us. Help us. To whom shall we turn? For he alone is our hope and he is our strength. And friends, are we not living in a day of trouble and distress today? Wars within, fightings without. We're living in days of calamity. We're living in days of rage. We're, we're living in days of anger. The, the enemy seems to be pressing in on every side. Has anyone experienced that or am I just on my own? The enemy seems to be pressing in on every side. I'm talking about the individual as a believer, but you know, I'm talking about our nation. Our nation. Our nation. Great Britain. Friends, where are the church leaders? Where are the men of God? Those that have got an ear in Parliament. Those that have got an ear in the government. Those that would be influential in governmental circles. Where are the, the men of God calling the nation together for prayer and fasting? Where is the cry from a nation that knows that it is in deep trouble? Friends, we're in deep trouble. I don't care what Boris Johnson says. I don't care how they try to butter it up. They're very good, all the, all the, what you, the spin doctors. I think we're stupid. You know what I mean? I don't have any A-levels, O-levels, or whatever levels you've got. I have nothing. I left school with absolutely nothing. But I'm not daft. I'm not daft. They're putting a spin on it. We're in trouble, friends. I'm telling you, as a nation, we are in trouble. But where is the cry? Where's the cry from his church? A cry for help. A cry for wisdom. We need wisdom. A cry for guidance. A cry of repentance. A cry of repentance. You know, these nations of ours, Great Britain, used to be the bedrock of Christian living and Christian society. That's why Britain was so great, Great Britain. Because of our Christian principles and how we evangelize half of the world. Most of the world. The nation was built upon the word of God. Our nation was built upon the word of God. 
At one time, there was a fear. There was an awe. There was a reverence for the things of God in this nation. And that was in the palace. And that was in Westminster. And that was out in the streets. Psalm 33 and 12 says this. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people he has chosen for his own inheritance. We were once a blessed nation, friends. We were once a blessed nation, a nation chosen of God, a nation called of God. And I don't say that arrogantly and I don't say that proudly, but we were once a blessed nation. But now we seem to be a sinful nation. Now we seem to be a sinful nation. A nation in whom the hand of God has been lifted off. Withdrawn. Isaiah 1 and 4 says this. A sinful nation. A people laden with iniquity. A seed of evildoers. Children that are corruptors. They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel under anger. They are gone away backward. They are going away backward. It's sad to say, but does not just describe our nation today. A backslidden nation. A nation laden with iniquity. A nation of evildoers. A nation of corruptors. And that's just in Parliament and in the palace. <laughs> if you're watching your news today, that's just in, in Parliament and in, and in, and in the palace. We have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger. Why would he not be angry with us when he sees such sin in the land, especially in the high places? You look what's going on in Parliament. What they're doing on the seats of Parliament. What they're looking at. What's going on. It's a shame. It's a downright shame. The perversion. The pornography, the bitterness, the hatred, the corruption, the love for power. And worst of all, friends, worst of all, the killing of the unborn. Ronnie, the killing of the unborn. Wicked, wicked beyond belief. Do you know in, in 2021 that there was 214,256 abortions in England and Wales? The highest ever since the abortion law was brought in. That's 18.6 per every thousand women. In Northern Ireland, there were 63 abortions, 41 more than last year, but that's not including those that went to England to get an abortion. But you know, friends, that number will rise dramatically, dramatically, whenever this new legislation kicks in, whenever they're able to do the abortions here. They're only waiting for the funding, that's... That's what's hindering all this here. They're only waiting for the funding, funding of it. Friends, let me tell you something about abortion. I'm going to put to you four scenarios. Four true life facts, true life scenarios. Not fiction, but these are true life. I heard this the other day and I thought, wow, that's powerful. The first scenario is this. A preacher and his wife are very, very, very poor, and I mean poor. They have 14 children, and they find out that she's pregnant again with the 15th. They are living in tremendous, I mean, friends, tremendous poverty. Should they abort the baby or not? The second one, the second one is the father's sick. The mother has TB. The first child is blind. The second one died at a young age. The third is death and the fourth has tuberculosis. And now the mother find out, finds out that she's pregnant again. What should she do? The third scenario is a 13-year-old black girl is raped by a white man and she finds that she's pregnant what should her parents do and the fourth one the last one 
A teenage girl is pregnant. She's not married. And the fiancé of the girl is not the father. And he's very, very, very upset. They're supposed to get married. And she finds out that she's pregnant. What do they do? Well, let me tell you what what would have happened if all those babies had been aborted. In the first case I read to you, you'd have just killed John Wesley, one of the greatest preachers of the 19th century, one of the greatest evangelists of the 19th century. In the second case, you'd have killed Beethoven. Beethoven. In the third case, you'd have killed Ethel Waters, a famous gospel singer. And in the fourth case, you'd have killed Jesus Christ. You'd have killed Jesus Christ. Think about it. Think about it. Friends, I'm not telling you anything new. But the killing of the unborn is an abomination in the eyes of God. Thank God that in America they've got that Roe versus Wade uh, ruling overturned. Praise God. May it happen here. But friends, you watch. You watch what's going to happen in that country. That country's going to explode. I'm telling you. You watch what's going to happen there. Proverbs 14 and 34 says, Righteousness exalted the nation, but sin, but sin is your approach to any people. Any people. Friends, there is no great in Britain today. Why? Because we have pushed God every, out of every area and every strata of society. We have relegated the Bible to the dustbin of history. We don't live by that book anymore. We don't want to live by your Ten Commandments. We don't live by that book anymore. And we're killing the unborn. We're killing the unborn. Is it not a bit of wonder that we're in the mess that we're in today? Friends, there needs to be a repentance in sackcloth and ashes. There needs to be a turning back, a turning back to God to his word and to his ways. Our church leaders need to grow a backbone. They need to grow a backbone and be filled with the Holy Ghost and start speaking for God. Jehoshaphat and his people sought God. They sought God and God didn't disappoint them. God didn't disappoint them. For you see, in verse 14 of our reading, it says this, Then upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jehiel, the son of Mataniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph, came the spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation. The spirit of prophecy came upon a Levite that was in the midst of that congregation, just like us this morning. Not a man of great note, not a man of great distinction, but just an ordinary man, just like you and me. But the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. It came upon him. And friends, that should give heart to those of us who feel we're of no use in the kingdom of God. All he's looking for is one man, one woman, with that right heart, with a heart that desires God. And who knows what he can do through that man or that woman. Jehaziel prophesies. And in verse 15 he says this, Hearken ye all Judah and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, and thy Jehoshaphat, thus saith the Lord unto you, Be not afraid, nor be dismayed, nor be dismayed by reason of this, this great multitude, for the battle is not yours. <laughs> the battle is not yours, but God's. And you know, friends, I believe that's a word corporately to the church this morning. I believe that. The battle is not yours, but God's. But also it's a word to the individual this morning, to you, whoever you are. Whoever you are. The battle is not yours, but God's. Hassan, the battle is not yours, but God's. Ruth, the battle isn't yours, but God's. 
Hear me? Sandra, the battle's not yours but God's. Friends, the battle is not yours but God's. But God's. I know in here this morning, there's tremendous battles going on. People are going through tremendous battles. There are probably some here that I don't know of. I don't know of. And you're going through a tremendous battle, but it's only between you and God. But hear me, hear me. The word of God says the battle isn't yours, but God's. It's his. It's his. And you know, friends, I know that can become a a cliche. A cliche, a glib thing, something that just rolls out of our tongues. Just without engaging our brain. But friends, God's word says the battle is not yours. It's his. It's his battle. It's not in your own strength. It's not for your own cause that you engage. But the battle is God's. He wants to fight it for you. Hear me this morning. He wants to fight it for you. This is how I fight my battles. Let God fight it for you. Do you know that there's one thing the Lord the Lord has never done. There's one thing that he can't do. And this is the God of the universe, the maker of heaven and earth and the stars and the sun and the moon and all the galaxies, the maker of me and you. There's, there's one thing that he can't do. Friends, he's never lost a battle. He's never lost. He cannot fail. He's never lost a battle. He cannot be defeated. He's never lost any battles, praise God. He's never lost a battle. And you know, those battles can come in many, many different forms and in many, many different ways. It can be a physical battle, and I'm not talking about get the fists up. But I'm talking about a health issue in your, your body. You're battling with a health issue. It can be a battle in your mind. You know, that's where the biggest battle goes on. See, between these two years, that's where the biggest battle goes on. In your mind, a battle in your mind. That's why you just look at the rise of the mental health issues going on in our country today. The battle that goes on in the mind. You know, it can be a battle for the salvation of a lost loved ones or, or, or backslidden loved ones. It can be a battle of, a, of an addiction of some sort. Friends, it can be a battle with yourself. Do you ever battle with yourself? I do. I'm not afraid to say it. I'm not ashamed of this. I battle with myself. You find it hard to witness. You find it hard to testify. You find it hard just even to pray out. You just find it hard communicating with people. Fear and embarrassment has just got a tremendous hold upon you. Friends, there can be so many battles. So many battles, but all very real to you. All very real to you. The individual. The individual. As Paul the Apostle said, we were troubled in every side. Without our fightings, within were fears. Fears, battles. Friends, there's a battle going on every day for your soul and for your heart. But listen to what it says in 2 Chronicles 20 and 17. It says this, Ye shall not fight in this battle, But set yourselves, stand ye still, and see the salvation of the Lord with you. Friends, what a promise. What a promise God has made to us, his people. Ye shall not need to fight, but just you set yourself and see what I can do. Matthew Henry says, Let but the Christian soldier go out against his spiritual enemies, and the God of peace will tread them under his feet and make him more than a conqueror. Make him more than a conqueror. Ye shall not need to fight, but just set yourselves. But just set yourselves. But look at the way God told them to set themselves. Look at the way he told them to go out and to confront this enemy. You'd have thought he'd have have first sent out his best soldiers, his chosen warriors, the great fighting men to lead the attack. No. For you see, friends, God's ways are not our ways. 
God's ways are not our ways. Verse 21 of chapter 20 says this. He appointed singers. He appointed singers unto the Lord and that should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and to say, Praise the Lord! Praise the Lord for his mercy! Thank goodness for his mercy, for his mercy endureth forever. An army of singers and worshippers went out first to face the enemy. Not an army with swords and shields and bows and arrows and spears, but an army with musical instruments, an army with hymn books, an army with a song in their hearts. Seems ridiculous, doesn't it? Seems utterly ridiculous. But hey, his ways are not our ways. King David said, Ye that fear the Lord, praise him. Praise him. He said in Psalm 34, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Friends, this was a man of war. This was a man who knew what pain and heartache was like. This was a man who was betrayed by his family. But that wasn't going to stop him from praising God. He said in Psalm 40 and 3, And he hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. And many shall... Many? I never noticed that. just came to me there. Many, many, many. Around Paul the hence. Everywhere. Many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the... Many. Many shall see and fear and shall trust in the Lord. Do you see in my simple understanding of this passage of Scripture? Do you know what that tells me? Do you know what that tells me? And you can correct me if I'm wrong, I don't care. But do you know what that tells me? Whenever we praise God and worship Him out of a pure heart, out of a pure heart, then the lost shall be drawn unto him. Am I getting that right? I mean, it should be simple to us all. I'm just simple. Like, I, but that's what that tell me. Then the lost shall be drawn to Christ. For you see, friends, I believe that praise and worship went done with the right heart. Went done with the right heart. It changes the atmosphere. It changes the atmosphere. For you see, the word of God says, God inhabits the praises of his people. You look at Paul and Silas in the jail at midnight. After being beaten and whipped and suffered this humiliation of imprisonment, and their feet put in the stocks. It says, at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed. And they praised God. And what? And what? The prisoners heard them. The prisoners heard them. Twelve o'clock at night, all the prisoners were probably sound asleep on the jailer, on the jailer. But then the songs of the redeemed began to belt out. No preaching, no Bible reading, just prayer and praises unto God. What a gospel outreach that was. They, they were probably heard all over the prison. In the dirt and in the dark, the praises of God went up, went up, and the prisoners heard them, and the atmosphere was changed. The atmosphere was changed because it says, and God came down. That's not my words. That's the words of this book. And God came down and everyone's bonds were loosed. They were loosed. Would you have liked to have been there? Would you, would you have liked to have been at that gospel outreach? Paul and Silas in a battle for their lives. But what do they do? They pray, they pray, and they sing praises unto God. And souls get saved. That's what the word of God says. And souls get saved. Their bonds were loosed. And souls get saved. The jailer gets saved. Him and all his family. They prayed and they sang praises unto God. Friends, let me, let me say it like this. Whenever things are tough, whenever you're facing hell, what's the first thing to go? Yes, your song. Your praise. The devil doesn't want you to praise. Because what happens when you, when you praise God? You begin to find peace. Joy then begins to well up in your heart. 
Faith begins to rise and you begin to believe what you're singing. Do we believe what we were singing this morning, all those praises of God? Do we believe that? You begin to believe what you're singing. You know, there's an old song that we used to sing many, many years ago. It goes like this. There's never a reason strong enough for not praising the Lord. Whenever the going is getting tough, you got to keep praising the Lord. Praise Him, for you know that you should. Praise Him, for everything working is working together for good. Praise Him, you never can afford to ever stop praising the Lord. Friends, when we begin to praise, we start to believe and start to believe what we're singing. Listen, things happen when we begin to praise and to say, how great is our God. How great is our God. Turn your eyes upon Jesus and look full in his glorious face. I will praise the Lord. I will, the mighty, I will praise the mighty name of Jesus, the Lord, the lifter of my head. What have I to dread? What have I to fear? Leaning on the everlasting arms. Friends, he is able. He is able to deliver forevermore. And you know, I could go on and I could go on with song after song after song. But friends, are you with me this morning? Listen, the people prayed. They believed God for an answer. They began to thank him and praise him. And what happened? God set ambushments against the enemy. And the enemy turned in upon themselves and they destroyed. They killed each other. Friends, are you getting what I'm saying? You see, when we come together to meet, we don't just come to sing a few songs and be observers and not participators. And then we'll just get to the word and then it's over and then we'll go home. Friends, respectfully, you've got it all wrong if that's, if that's your thinking. The word of God is filled with exhortations and examples of praising and lifting your voice Lifting your voice unto the Lord. You know, when the worship team, when the worship team begin to sing and to praise the Lord, they are those musicians that go before. They go before to lead us into the presence of the Lord. But we, and I'm including myself in this, but we as a congregation, we have to have to enter into that place of worship ourselves. We have to go beyond the veil. We need to go beyond that veil. You know, you may have come in facing the biggest battle of your life. But you know, friends, you can leave here this morning with peace in your mind and joy in your heart. Knowing that the battle is not yours, but his. But his. Friends, it's here in your battle that the strength and power of faith is demonstrated. It's demonstrated by praising God in the face of battle. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. Jehoshaphat and his people obeyed God, and God didn't disappoint them. A victory was won. And you know, friends, we sung it this morning, victory is ours. Victory is ours. The battle has already been won. We just need to keep on enforcing that victory through the battles that we face every day. How do we do it? How do we do it? We do it on our knees and by worshiping and praising him. He gives us a song in the night. He turns our mourning into dancing. He turns our, our, our sorrow into joy. Friends, we read of God being angry at the prayers of his people, Psalm 80 and verse 14, but we never read of him being angry at their praises, at their praises. When they began the work of praise, God perfected the work of deliverance. Isn't that amazing? When they began the work of praise, then God perfected the work of deliverance. This is how I fight my battles. Simple. It's simple. This is how I fight my battles. On our knees, but with a song in our mouths. And with praise unto our God. You know, I'm going to ask the musicians to come this morning. And would you stand with me, please?
And maybe you're in here this morning and you can identify with what I'm saying. Maybe you're facing one of the biggest battles of your life, whether that be physical, spiritual, mentally. I don't know, friends. It could be anything. You may be facing a battle at home. You may have left your home this morning. You've walked out of a battle. I I don't know. I don't know. But one thing I do know, no matter how hard, no matter how hard it is, friends, he's still worthy. He is still worthy of all our praise and all our worship. How do I fight my battles? Praise you, Lord. Lord, I worship you, Lord. I give you the fruit of my lips this morning, Lord. I don't know how I'm going to get through this, Lord. But Lord, I'm going to sing praises unto your great name. I'm going to give you thanks in the great congregation. Lord, I'm going to sing unto thee and give everything over to thee. This is how I fight my battles. You know, let the Lord minister to you this morning. Just for a few moments, a few minutes. If you want prayer this morning, then would you come? Come to this front. Come to this altar. Come and praise him. Come and worship him. We'll pray with you. We'll sing with you. We'll believe God. Have you a song in your heart? Have you a song in your heart this morning? Amen.